Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film If Beale Street Could Talk. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do go ahead and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that there may be plot spoilers. Enjoy. There ought to be a law, get the sheriff on the bone. Lord have mercy, how she even get them wretches on? That honky-tonk, badonk-a-donk. Why, hello there. I was born in the wagon of a traveling show. Mama used to dance for the money they throw. Papa would do whatever he could. Do you believe I've, in I've life after that? Before on this show, <laughs> are you recording now? Is it working? Let me just double check. It is working. It is. It is now working. Whoop whoop! It is. Uh, it is beautiful. Um, a little bit of how the sausage is made for our listeners, but my fancy audio interface or my fancy microphone has started giving off a horrendous buzzing sound like there's a million wasps inside it um maybe there maybe are. there maybe that's the problem maybe there's a bunch of tiny tiny wasps inside um but we're having to do things slightly differently which is why i might sound a little bit less beautiful than i normally do yeah uh, still beautiful though i mean it's, it's hard to stop to me ears. from Hard to stop me from from sounding beautiful. Yeah. So, do you know if the government guidelines now permit the wagons of the travelling shows to return to business? I want to know if Boris Johnson believes in life after love. Yeah, me too. I'm going to go to the press conference. I'm going to zoom in, as in, you know, go on a Zoom meeting, not like zoom zoom in. You know what I mean? Join <laughs> join the virtual press conference. Yeah, just yeah, I I can just imagine you turning up on one of those little scooters, yeah. zooming in on one of those. <laughs> A segue. Yeah, a little segue. Zoom in on a segue. One of those ones where it's like one wheel and you stand on either side of the wheel like a little box, which looks so stupid. (laughs) How dare you? Is that what is that your your thing? That's that's definitely what I'm gonna be doing. This was it's my dream of um my my dream of 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 post lockdown joy. (laughs) One wheels magic. Yeah. Charging in like that. But lockdown's um, yeah, over definitely. anyway, isn't it? But everyone just got bored of it. And, you know, it doesn't matter that the science all said we were doing it too too early or that all of the prominent people who actually know about this stuff said it probably shouldn't, probably not a great idea. Everyone got bored of it and the government got bored of begrudgingly paying people's wages to help them not die. And now lockdown's over. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about it as well, you know, is I'm bored now. Health and safety? No. I want to be able to go down the pub. Yeah, I want to go down the that's... pub, drink a pint, punch someone, eat a packet of fags. Complain about political correctness. Complain about political correctness. Buy some pipes from a bloke in a car park. It's the British yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. You 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 walk in. Yeah yeah. You meet your mate Dave. There's Dodgy Barry over by the bar. He's looking to sell you discount meat. Um, oh, everyone loves Dodgy your... Barry. He's all right, love. Yeah, you never know what you're gonna get. Could be meat. Could be iPhones. Could be uranium. Yeah. You never know. Could do be you? VCDs from the early two thousands. 
Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you want to watch the entire uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy on one dodgy disc? <laughs> now you can. No, remember they could only fit 80 minutes on a disc at a time, so it'd be like 15 discs. <laughs> there we go. And it would stop go. in the middle of a very crucial battle scene. Yeah. Yeah, Pippin singing his beautiful song and you've got to interrupt it halfway through. Ah, oh, Pippin. The underrated Hobbit, old Pippin. Yeah, yeah. Everyone Never thinks got... about Merry. Yeah, but Pippin, Pippin's where it's at. I stand, in this house we stand a Pippin. Yeah, I, I, I could get behind that. <laughs> so, Nobody yes. tosses a dwarf. Nobody tosses a dwarf. Um, in case you can't tell, I'm being driven insane by lockdown, but I still don't think it's a good idea to go anywhere or do anything because the virus is still out there. I mean, you've got to kind of treat lockdown like you would a slasher movie where you don't want to be the first person to get complacent. Yeah. Slender COVID-19 is out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is uh, COVID the 13th, part 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is what we're on at the moment. Um, yeah, Freddy but... versus Jason Derulo. <laughs> COVID versus Boris. <laughs> What's going to kill you first? Yeah. Um, so we watched a movie. We did. This is the, good, the only good thing about lockdown is you can watch. You can still watch movies, which is fine. I don't know when cinemas are opening up again. Actually, surely it's easier to open up a cinema than it is to open up like a shop. To, just to go on another tangent before we actually start talking about the film we watched. But, like, I have heard nothing about cinemas, but surely, like, in cinemas, you could just, like, rope off bits of it and be like, sit here, don't sit here. Or is it because of the bit when all the wankers walk in five minutes into the film and try and scramble over you to get to their seat and then they've given you COVID? So they are suggesting that cinemas could maybe reopen from early July. Right. Um, But what that's going to look like is another matter entirely. Um you know, it might be that you only have, you know, there's there's ample space between seats, things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it might look a bit different to, to, to what we are used to, which might be quite nice to begin with, although getting tickets might be difficult. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sit next to people at the cinema anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless it's um, someone I know who I've gone with. That's totally different. E- even then, I'm like, no. I don't. I don't want this. I don't yeah. like this. It ought to be near people. God. Yeah, people. Slave old rubbish. Yeah. So Dude. no, that's the good thing about lockdown is that watching films from the comfort of your own home and not in the cinema. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing worse than being around people, particularly when there's a deadly virus around. Yeah, but they're not um, making films anymore anyway, because you can't you can't work on a film set. So when the cinemas open up, there won't be any films anyway. They'll have to show like <laughs> exactly. reruns of um, of Airbud. <laughs> It'll just be Airbud and the Ugly Dachshund. Yeah, Airbud, the Ugly Dachshund, and the Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> That's all we'll have. Those it's, are the it's my go-to movies. film. If you have to name a film, Bridges of Madison County. It's like, have you seen that sketch where it's it's Billy Eichner and he goes up to someone on the street and goes, "Name a woman." <laughs> no, I have not, but <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes. It's very good. Yeah. It's like that. If someone says name a name a woman. You know, you say someone cool like Maya Angelou, like a poet or someone. But if someone says name a film, you have to say the Bridges of Madison County. That's exactly right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's <laughs> got to be the Bridges of Madison County. Um, yeah. But we did not watch the Bridges of Madison County this week, did we? No, I'm saving that one for a future episode. <laughs> a return to the Bridges of Madison County. 
Yeah, Redux. <laughs> um, but no, we watched um, If Beale Street Could Talk. We did. Based um, on the the James critically Baldwin. acclaimed novel by James yes. Baldwin. Directed by Barry Jenkins. He of Moonlight fame, which I have not seen. Have you seen Moonlight? No, it's been on my to-watch list basically since it came out. Um, it's it's always one of those ones where like, I want to watch it for this show and then there's some other bullshit that derails me. <laughs> We've got to watch something terrible instead. That's the, that's the problem. Is <laughs> like, oh, what, what are we going to watch this week? We could watch Moonlight or we could watch Secret Obsession. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's only so many shit pieces out yeah. there. <laughs> and and but unfortunately there are there's enough to stop us from watching movies that are genuinely engaging and emotional. Um but So you're saying that them um, shit pieces are finite? I think yeah. I think shit pieces are like fossil fuels in that there is a there's a finite amount of them. Not every I I don't think we would be in there is there's an infinite amount of shit pieces. I think it's the kind of special thing that can can only be created or maybe they are it might be that they are infinite but that we would consume them at too fast a rate and we would run out so you you think it's like oil so we're like the bp of the ship piece industry right now yeah we're currently covering up um we're we're um yeah we're we're the oil companies in the 1970s and 1980s that started covering up climate change because they realized it would hurt their profits and we're Um, we're now going to tell you in a a bunch of press releases that we do really care about the planet we really care about good movies and we need to treasure our shit pieces (laughs) give us your money yeah basically Um, give us your fucking money give us your money um but it was nice. But now to the watch. price the price of shit pieces has gone negative now, right? Yeah. They exactly. can't give them away. <laughs> this is where we need to we need to get in on the action. And uh, all the film directors, Tommy Wiseau, he's like going around knocking on doors going, Hey, can I give you shit piece? <laughs> Three for the price of one on shit pieces. Um, yeah. yeah. Speaking of well, speaking of Tommy Wiseau, there's a very, very indirect link from him to if Beale Street could talk. You know what it is? That's uh, Dave Franco. Dave Franco, who is yes. in one scene as the Jewish landlord. I love that. Yeah, the 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 cast of this film is is interesting. Um, it's a real it's a real strong cast, and um, I wouldn't necessarily say that this film's an ensemble piece because it is very centered on on two core characters. But it's nice to see these 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 big names and or, or memorable people turn up in the small roles obviously yeah, david franco's there for one scene um you've got diego luna and pedro pascal um turning up for pedro pascal's just in one scene diego luna's in a little bit more um and it, it's it's interesting seeing these people turn up ed's screen is terrifying yeah um, that guy as, he looks yeah. a bit like the singer from the hives <laughs> he's got those kind of starey eyes it's true it's true i really like um ed's screen actually um He's... What do I know him from? I looked at his picture and I'm like, I recognise that guy, but I can never remember what from. Um, so I don't know what you will have seen him in. Um, he's in Kill Your Friends, but I don't think you've seen that. Have you seen? No, Dead... that's one of the things you've told me to watch before. Yeah, I haven't watched. Have you seen Deadpool? No, I have not. I've heard nothing but good things about that. That is very good. Have you seen? Ah, oh, you've not seen Game of Thrones. He's in Game of Thrones. No. I don't think I've seen any of any of his stuff now. I'm looking at his filmography, but I do recognise him. 
It's it's one of those weird th- weird things. Or well, maybe he just looks like someone else. Maybe I am just thinking it's the bloke from the hives <laughs> with a mustache. He's got being a very an awful cop. He's got a very um, he's got a very unique face. I think he's a very memorable face. Um, but I I really like him, and unfortunately he's been in a few things that are not as critically acclaimed. But I think he's actually got a lot of talent, and yes, he's he's good in this as well. But I think yeah, all of the all of the smaller roles in this are perfectly portrayed. And kind of done in a way where you, and, and and this is a sign of a good film where you've got these very memorable actors and you don't just immediately go, oh, it's Dave Franco or, oh, it's Ed Screen or, oh, it's, it's Diego Luna. You kind of buy into the atmosphere and the immersion of the movie um, and it really takes you on this, on this powerful journey, doesn't it? Hmm. Yeah, 100%. And it's always, nine times out of ten, it's a mark of quality when you can get actors who tend to play leading roles, like Diego Luna and um, Dave Franco, tend to play more leading roles in their careers to play very, very minor roles, but roles that are still very effective and have a, are a big part of the story. And yeah, that's I, I find that that is usually a mark of quality. Yes, yeah, and it is um, in this case. Obviously, it, it definitely is. Yeah, this is a this is a um, a great movie. I, I really enjoyed this, um, and um, I'm glad we we finally got around to watching it. Um, it's something that I've been meaning to watch again since it came out. Um, and um, oh, you'd seen it before? No, no, I hadn't. But I've been meaning to watch it since it came out. Um, right. And um, yeah, glad we glad we finally got around to watching it. Um, it's uh, it's amazing. Really good. I've not read the book. Um, no, but, me neither. But I've already established that I think books are for nerds. So <laughs> yeah, books are the worst. Why the fuck would you read a book? Yeah, Jeez. books. Let it all rubbish. That if you got to read words, put it on a screen for me. Which they did at the beginning of this film. Yeah, there's a quote from him saying Beale Street is like it's a place in New Orleans, but it's also this place where we're all born. Um, where all all black people are born, and it's kind of a part of that identity. Uh, identity, and yeah, that was that was a really nice intro. But books are still for nerds. Yeah, books are books are definitely for nerds. Um, could you if imagine? If we could talk, it would say, "Watch the film." Could you imagine if this was a book film about white people? Though it would be if Ian Beale Street could talk. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to make that joke. <laughs> of course I was going to make that joke. As someone whose parents religiously watched EastEnders when I was younger. Did they actually? Um, yeah. Um, EastEnders was on like every day. Coronation Street wow. then became a part of the household about t- when I was around 10 or 11. Um, yeah. What What do you prefer? Are you an EastEnders man or a Coronation Street man? Oh, I don't know. That's like trying to choose between dog shit or cat litter, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, I've never spent much time watching either. But the, I always see that. I think I've seen more of EastEnders just by, through osmosis. So I, I would choose that, even though the trailers are always the worst. Like, it's Christmas. There's going to be a fight. Someone's going to get punched. It's going to be real sad someone's Whoa. gonna die at christmas again yeah <laughs> um so funny fact we're gonna have the final eastenders episode tonight as in what? the as in the last one before covid um oh. so so they haven't been able to film anymore um so so yeah eastenders i thought you meant of all time no 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 of course not eastenders are gonna outlive us all um, yeah 
<laughs> say, if EastEnders is over, we've had it. Culture is culture is finished. Yeah, Brit Britain is dead. If it, it's uh, what what is it? If the uh, if if all the crows leave the Tower of London, then England will fall. It's something like that, isn't it? The analogy. Um, when a crow is tired <laughs> of London, he is tired of life. When EastEnders stop showing what? on BBC, <laughs> then that's when that's when the nation is finished. How could we explain EastEnders to a non-British audience? Surely, like, Americans don't know what EastEnders is. Well, no, but they do have their own soap operas. Do they? Yeah, so... You don't say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then, though, EastEnders is... Imagine the idea of London in the 1950s in the modern day. (laughs) That's what EastEnders is. It's set in Cockney, which is a region of London where criminals live. What what is the it's Albert Square, but which what's the borough? The made up borough? Oh god. Um the station is called it's a made up station on the district line, Walford East. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um so fake tubes there must be someone who has to make all those fake tube signs and that's their job. How good would that be as your job? It's not I'd, a bad job. I I'd guess. love that. Um but yeah, so so it's the residents of Albert Square. Um, the most white part of the East End of London you've ever seen in your <laughs> life. Um, <laughs> and basically, they go around getting sad and punching each other every now and again. Um, people are revealed to be other people's mums. Um, I'd say I'd say in the battle between East Enders and Corrie, I think maybe Corrie is more enjoyable to watch because they did have like a serial killer on it, which is, yeah. you know... You've mentioned that before, yeah, or I, recently. I, I, I have <laughs> I mean, mentioned that recently, haven't I? Because um, murder's popular. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, murder's well good. Um, <laughs> quote of the day from Rob. <laughs> murder's murder well, is well murder good. Murder is well good. Um, yeah, so so Cory has a serial killer in it, or has had a serial killer in it, which is great. But EastEnders has more memes. Um, so, <laughs> it's had a serial killer in it, which is great. Yeah, they've got to love a serial killer. <laughs> How many other soaps have had serial killers? I would not know. Not many. That's what. That, that's what I'm going to tell you. Hardly any. <laughs> the Archers must have had one. The Archers. Is <laughs> Someone. The Archers are so tame. Someone stole some milk. Yeah. <laughs> and people walk into rooms and they sigh. That's the Archers, <laughs> and they steal milk. So yeah, it was it was Evil Richard in Coronation Street. Evil Richard. Well, that, well, his name wasn't Evil Richard, but he was. He was. He doesn't he, quite have the same ring as the Yorkshire Ripper, does it? So he killed. He killed his business partner. Then he killed his ex-wife. Um, and then he killed someone else. Um, and then he tried to kill himself with his wife and her children. Oh, um, but then he died, and the others didn't. Um. So it turns out that there's a bigger killer in Hollyoaks. Does Hollyoaks even count as a soap opera? It's like a, hey, we're we're a soap opera, but we've got zany teenagers on it. They're all texting and stuff, yeah. In other words, it's a shit soap opera. That's, that's I, my impression of Hollyoaks. Hollyoaks is my least favourite of the is big Hollyoaks soaps. Is Hollyoaks still going? Probably. These kind, of things, these kind of things don't go away, do they? I guess not. Um, yeah, Holly, Hollyoaks apparently has had a, had a couple of serial killers. Of course, because of course it has. Um, yeah, but no, I've got I've got time in my heart for for Cory, the the proto serial killer of Cory. Um, Coronation Street is 
somewhere else, not London. Is it Manchester Coronation Street? Yeah, it's northern, Corey. <laughs> it's northern, so it must be Manchester. No, it's not London, therefore it's northern. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I'm just putting things in terms that the American audience can understand. I'm not going to try and explain <laughs> the arches to them. No, please do. How would you explain Other the arches? To... <laughs> well, no, all I might do is just insert a clip of the theme music here and then they can imagine for themselves what kind of show would have that kind of idiotic theme music. <laughs> Oh, so Coronation Street is um, in a made-up town called Weatherfield, which oh, is meant to be no. Salford. So Salford is essentially Manchester. Sorry, people in Salford. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, ah. Yeah, how would you... I mean, for starters, it's a radio show. Yeah. You know, it predates... Oh, I wasn't going to tell them that. Predates... I was, I was gonna, um... <laughs> Leave leave them to guess for the medium for themselves. Pre predates the, the telly boxes, and then it's a bunch of farmers doing farmery things and sighing heavily. Yeah, it's it's about each episode is about ninety percent size, five percent farmyard animals, five percent plot. Yeah, and that's it. Something's about to go down at the village fate. Yeah, yeah. There's always something bad that's about to happen. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, anyway, right. This has nothing to do with if Beale Street could talk, which is a genuine work of art. Unlike, which is much better than anything that has ever come out of Britain. <laughs> <laughs> but anything that we've mentioned so far today, it yes, is very yeah. good. It's, it's a very good film. It's amazing, um, and it's very shocking um, at times. It's it's incredibly emotionally powerful, beautifully directed um wonderfully performed and very timely for what is going on in the world right now which is part of the reason why i wanted to to talk about it now um in that i don't know i th i think it's worth having a wider discussion i suppose and using this as a springboard to talk about the portrayal of the police in film and in media um, yeah for sure so we're going to um, do Paul Blart Mall Cop next, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that and then observe and report uh, and then round it off with um, with Die Hard, obviously. <laughs> um, but but it's interesting. You look at, I mean, and, and some of the movies that we've talked about on this podcast are um, are about police officers and have these police officers as heroes. So uh, 20... I was thinking about 21 Jump Street yeah, actually, in this context yeah. recently, actually, that obviously if we were to go back and listen to that episode now, we had a lot of fun and we enjoyed that film. But in the context of today, should those should we be lionising the police in that way? You know, probably not. And, is and, it funny? And that's what's interesting is that you can't necessarily get away with doing the kind of heroic police character that you used to do previously, because I think there has been this mild reworking of of in 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 the public consciousness of of what the police are and you know it's, it's it's nowhere near to the same extent that i think it should be and i think there should be bigger questions asked but um i mean 21 jump street works because it's almost a pastiche of 
that kind of buddy cop element the same way that hot fuzz is a pastiche of it where it's mm, yeah it's 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 playing into tropes that have been around for a long time but they the question remains, you know, those tropes that are there, how much do they act almost as propaganda for the police? Um and, and it's interesting, it's something that I've I I I haven't I haven't researched, but I'd be interesting to see um how much consultancy films and television shows about police have with, with real life police and how much pushback is there if things are portrayed in a negative light. So I know that the the military provides an awful lot of um of of materials to movies, to action movies in particular. Um and that often comes with the caveat that the 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 military are heroic in these films. I think the perfect example yeah. of this is the Transformers movies. Um, where they get loads of stuff in and then the movie shows the military as being heroes. Um, and and similar kind of things happen in video games as well, where they get they get consultancies with um with with the US military, they get sort of like official um official weaponry and things like that, and off the back of that, they're not gonna turn around and say, Hey, maybe these guys aren't heroes. Um yeah, it's essentially product placement for tanks and guns. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it's why war films are always boring. <laughs> why war films are always boring, yeah. Without exception. The only good war film is The Great Escape, because that wasn't sponsored by war. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and and so, yeah, you very rarely see negative police portrayal in, um, in, in media. Um, no. Or if you do, I mean, there, there are films out there, obviously, that de- deliberately do that because that's the point of what they do. But there, for every one of those, there's 20 films where there's, like, heroic cops or funny cops or bad cops. What are you going to do when they come for you, you know? Yeah, and, and it's interesting to see that there has been this immediate um, backlash, so the, 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 the sort of cancellation of cops. I know, um, yeah. As one example, which which became very, came as very surprising to me. Um. And, They'll be um, cancelling EastEnders next. They will, yeah, for portrayal of gammony faced idiots in London. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and defund EastEnders. That's that's going to be my crusade. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and there have been there have been shows that have have looked at the role of police in in a different light. Um, you've got things like um, Line of Duty, which is about. Um, internal affairs investigations um, in in the that's a UK drama. Um, you've got. Um, Is the bill sh- still going? I don't think the bill's still going. No. <laughs> Amazing theme tune. Love <laughs> yeah, it. For sure. For Much sure. better than the show, which is really really boring. If you think about like a, imagine a British cop show, and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> they've all yeah they've gone to investigate like someone who's stolen a goose or something yeah yeah but it exactly. uncovers a very small drug ring <laughs> precisely precisely um uh whereas whereas yeah um you look at um you look at other shows and yeah you've got you've got line of duty um brooklyn 99 is a is a 
is a mm. sitcom effectively about about the police and a lot of the time it's it's sort of lionizing the police force but at the same time they do occasionally touch on issues like racial profiling in the police and things like yeah. that um they have terry cruz isn't it right yes yeah um which is interesting so uh, you know that it's it's kind of a double-edged sword that show is like yes it allows sometimes the discussion of of serious issues but a lot of the time it's still here's a bad guy we run after bad guy we hit bad guy we catch bad guy um and and it's interesting because it is a show that i really enjoy and is it, it is a very funny show a very good cast of characters um but it's it is strange to see this this real clash between how we see the police in cinema and on television versus how they are perceived by marginalized groups in our society yeah definitely and obviously we need that to be explored more in film and tv and then if if beale street could talk does explore that but it's not the point of it either and it's from the the book was written in the 70s wasn't it set in the early 70s and the film i think does a really good job of portraying it and also sort of bookending it with images of um black people being subject to police brutality but without it being at any point sort of really even pushing that message it's just kind of this is how it is yes yeah it's 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 this subtext of the entire film is you know it's a story about two people and their their need to be together and and their families and their dreams and their hopes and aspirations but underneath there is a subtext of this is what a a criminal justice system which is not just does to people's lives yeah Um, and the love story is so powerful that it overpowers all of that stuff really but then it's it's all the more tragic when it's you know it's the institutional racism of the police that brings it down yes yeah for sure for sure um and it's it is um it, it it is it is troubling isn't it it's, it's it's a really it's a really sad story um and it's it's one that's that's very real and it's a it's 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 a story that's happened time and time again and and what's i and it's a film that those those who want a clear cut ending you know either a pure tragedy or a pure happy ending will find frustrating because it gives you the real life reality of what happens a lot of the time in that you've got a justice system which is stretched in all the wrong areas it's stretched when it comes to defense it's stretched when it comes to trying to find the truth um and time pressures just push things to be done um regardless of what that means about people's lives and you know you've got you've got things like public defenders who you know um it's one of those things where it's often said sort of if you want to go into public defense and if if you want to go into those kind of areas of law where where things are stacked against you you need to be used to losing and looking at the different ways in which you can lose as different victories in their own right you know you're very rarely going to get an out and out victory victory like you'd see in legally blonde for instance um <laughs> yeah and 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 this this is a perfect movie that encapsulates that as you know you've got these people who you know they want to live their lives they want to start a family and instead uh, a trumped up charge ruins any chance of that happening yeah 
the charge that you know is clearly there's 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 no doubt that he didn't do it. It's just something that's been brought against him because the officer wanted to do him in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's really it's a really powerful film. Um, it's it's really really good. I'd like to give you know um, you know Kiki Lane and and Stephen James do wonderful jobs as the two leads but i'd really like to shout out to regina king um as as tish's mother who puts in a, a wonderful performance in this um and and it, it's it showcases this wonderful family unit of, of this movie as well as it, it feels like a really strong family unit here um yeah and um interestingly enough she is in the watchman television show that came out last year Oh, um, I don't right. know if you did. You see any of it at all? No, I never did. Um, so it, it it was interesting. It was not an adaptation of the comic, but instead it was a sequel, happening uh, two decades later, um, two three decades later. It's really interesting, and and one of the big themes of it was um, was racism in society, and um, and um, sort of the portrayal of the police and things like that. Um, and it is a very interesting show, actually. It worked very well as a sequel to um, to, to the comic book um, in ways that I, I wasn't expecting it to work. Um, but yeah, she, she, but yeah, so she's the lead in that, and it is very, very good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful in um, in if, if Beale Street could talk. She was great in this, and she really got across, you know, the the conflicts and the difficulty of motherhood and wanting to support your your child, but also being judged by people. I think it's she really shows her how great she is at this and how well written the role is as well quite early on in the film when they invite Fonny's parents over to tell them that she's pregnant and there's this conflict between the two families and between the men and the women as well and she's just fantastic in that scene oh yeah yeah she's that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie um a real a real standout for um Tiona Paris as well who's <laughs> who is great yeah. in this film um interestingly enough was in another movie that we we watched for the podcast is in dear white people yeah and um and was really good in that and is really really great in this as well um as this sort of protective protective sister figure um is is yeah really good and another example of the the wider cast really more than punching a more than punching their weight here yeah and funny's mum is leaving and she's saying, my daughter's ain't going to bring no bastards home. And the sister goes, yeah, that's because ain't nobody going to fuck them. <laughs> that tickled me. Yeah, there was, there was very a very good. good level of sass in this film when it was needed. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, it wasn't... Um, yeah, it, 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 it wasn't... You know, there, there, was, there was moments of sweetness and moments of humour and moments of warmth that really tied you into the characters and their lives... I think in a way that it's very hard to do in films of this nature, but it's very, that, that balance has really struck incredibly well here. Wasn't it? Yeah. Sorry. I think some animals are having a fight outside my house. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> are there any statues being taken down near you? Is that what's happening? <laughs> no, I'm just going to A couple of people are like, window. no, you will not take down this statue of, 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 uh, so of a big old racist. Keep talking about that while I go and close the window. <laughs> so, Speaking personally, I don't really see much of a problem with taking down statues of old racist people. It's just a statue. Um, 
<laughs> quite simply get over it guys um you've seen um you know what's interesting is the statue that recently came down in london was actually um moved there in 1997 so it's not even as though it was a big old historic monument that had been there for a very long time um so yeah get over it we don't really need these statues around um there's more important things to support in society than that right, um, what shit you been saying <laughs> i was saying about how i was saying about how we should um put less effort into protecting statues of old racist bellends <clears throat> oh good yeah yeah um, and, because, uh, and people yeah. are all like, oh, well, you can't do that because then what happens next? You take away this one and this one. And it's like, well, actually, yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know, they've taken how many all... statues could there be? They've, so... take... they've temporarily taken down that, uh, that episode of Forty Towers and put it back up with a warning <laughs> in front. This is censorship. <laughs> oh, uh, fuck off. Did you see the thing about Winston Churchill's picture on Google? No. So Did they replace it with that picture I made where he's saying that he'll fuck his dogs? I mean, if only. Uh, so, so the other day, um, Winston Churchill's picture, when you looked, if you did a search of British Prime Ministers, Winston Churchill's picture was down for about 20 minutes. And yeah, basic, Respect to whoever hacked that. Well, they didn't hack it. It's just Google... Um, does a refresh every so often of the images that come up when you do a generic search like that. And, and it, also it's different for everyone because they tailor it to you based on the data they have on you, right? <laughs> well, um, no, I think this is more to do with the generic pictures that go up. So Google... So, so based, if, I, if I search British Prime Ministers, it's just Atlee. It's a wall of coming at me. <laughs> it's just Tony Blair because you're a centrist dad. Yeah, um, yeah obviously. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, basically... Um, the picture went down for about 20 minutes. If you search British Prime Ministers, Churchill's one would come up blank um, of, the, of the images that came up at the top of the screen. And basically people were going, censorship, Google is part of the global left-wing conspiracy to stop pictures of Winston Churchill appearing. Um, so, um, so basically what happens is every so often they refresh and update the images that come up in those panels and they can right, disappear yeah. every so often for a very short amount of time. Uh, and that's all it was. But basically, the right wing of the internet got itself in a right tizzy over it and started I screaming about censorship and global communist conspiracies. Because, of course, it did. Um, and this is what these people care about, because they don't actually have anything that's genuinely threatening their lives or their no. existence or their identity so get in the fucking bin all of you i am i am so done with with yeah. with right-wing populists right now like my my tolerance they've never had to worry about what's going to happen if they get pulled over you know or like whether whether they're going to get arrested for a crime they didn't commit or beaten or killed even because that's just what the cops are like to them they've never had to think about that have they yeah the, the cop is their is their wife the cop is their husband the cop is their next door neighbor um they they can tell racist jokes together and laugh awkwardly when yeah. no one's listening but yeah I, I my tolerance for for right-wing populism is pretty low at the best of times but right now when they're pushing people to go out into a deadly virus to go and get a haircut or to go back into their soul-crushing job for the sake of the their, their god the economy or telling black people that they should not be concerned about the threat to their existence 
it's just oh fuck off you terrible wastes of gas <laughs> you're a waste of skin <laughs> yeah um, skin like Kate, Katie Hopkins getting furious about a young black man pushing the government to give children <laughs> who are poor free food um, yeah. just sums up the entire movement, doesn't it? And they at first said no to him as yeah. well. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but that, that sums up the entire movement is this young back black man has really helped a lot of young vulnerable people in this country. We cannot let this stand. We must complain about this. Is there anything that summed up the far right of this country more than that? Yeah, uh, absolutely despicable they are. Yeah, so, so this has been a very political episode of big boys well good um, as well it should be but i'm sick of the bullshit i'm sick of their shite i'm sick of us tolerating absolute nonsense from people um let's lay it on for you now everything is political podcasts yes. are political yeah we're political yeah when i said Even books are for nerds that was political. Yeah, i meant it yeah <laughs> um yeah, every, everything is political. Politics plays a part in everything. And what's what's one thing that's really annoyed me, and you might disagree here, is that um, people say, oh, you should never let politics get in the way of a friendship, or you should never get angry about politics. I'm like, fuck off. Politics is like the Ooh, one politics. thing you should get angry about. Politics <laughs> is the one thing you should feel passionate about more than anything else. You're telling yeah, me that absolutely. you should care more about what football team someone supports than whether they think gay people have a right to the same rights as other people, you know? Yes, yeah, but football is political. Yeah, and football is political. Football is very political. Um, why do you think a, um, a public school uh, government like ours went after footballers' salaries so quickly, mm. um, generally people who come from working-class backgrounds, rather than bankers, rather than hedge fund managers? Yeah, why do you and think why our right-wing press is always going on about footballers? Um, Akala tweeted about this recently. Actually, I don't know if you saw it. We had quite a good thread about how, when you know, the Sun and the Mail always goes after footballers, like saying, like exposing how they've spent their millions of pounds that they earn. You know, it's always the black ones, isn't it? Yeah. What? Why? Because it's about class. It's because they've transcended their class, and that everything in this country basically comes down to the idea of class, and that because they've transcended that, that's not allowed, and they they can't spend their money in whatever way they want and they can't buy sports cars but some white hedge fund manager can yeah um and personally speaking i think if you're a young person you have far much more right to buy a sports car than a balding 50 year old fatso to drive around in a a fancy car (laughs) fuck off mate get your the only posh man's car that you're allowed to have if you're an old old white guy with a pot belly is you're maybe allowed a jag (laughs) Maybe you're allowed a Jag. Maybe you're allowed a Rolls Royce. If you're driving around in a Ferrari, like, sorry, mate, you've dropped your micro penis club card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about but, a Tesla? Where does where do Teslas fit into? Teslas thing? are for thirty-five-year-old balding libertarians. <laughs> Um, I, I I don't mind people who drive. You know, if you drive an electric car, great, more power to you. That's really good. Um, if you, you need more power for it, don't you? If you deliberately are driving a Tesla just because it's a Tesla and not for any other reason other than that, get in the bin. Yeah, get, get in the bin. There's loads of other electric cars out there. Teslas are just fancy ones um, created by a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, 
And if you if you are one of those people, get in touch and tell us how to pronounce the name of Elon Musk and Grimes' baby. <laughs> That's Elon a joke Sk- from last month's news cycle. I'm glad Always you... on the money. Yeah, we are, we are with the times. <laughs> we are with the times. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but but that's an interesting point. Is you know the the treatment of Raheem Sterling is the perfect example yeah, of this. Yeah. Um, he has been through all sorts of abuse in the press, um, and then Lewis Hamilton as well. Um, mm-hmm. People go after him for, and and they sh- he should be criticised for having his um, all of his funds in Monaco. That's right. Why have none of the press gone after any of the white British Formula One drivers for doing exactly the same thing as Lewis Hamilton has? Yeah, as if they're not all doing it. They all do it. That's the thing is all of them do it. Yet Lewis Hamilton is the only one who receives that criticism. And it's, mm, yeah, I wonder why. Why do you think that David Lammy and Sadiq Khan get much more abuse on Twitter than white politicians? Yeah, hmm. Or Diane Abbott as well, who's had, yeah. you know, 40-odd years of this shit. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Is it perhaps because there's institutional racism and unconscious racism and unconscious bias in our society? No, it's yeah. all a coincidence. No, Obviously. It's all fine. We don't, we don't see colour. We don't country. see colour in this country. We definitely don't. We've, everything is fine in Britain. Um, you know, Edward Colston didn't see colour when he was importing 100,000 slaves to the US. Yeah, exactly. It's, oh, it makes me mad. Fucking. And now his statue's in the river. Which is where it should be. Fucking have it. <laughs> it's one of the most cathartic things I've seen is seeing those people roll that statue into the river. Yeah, um, it was great. It was so I'd good. like to see more of that. Yeah, get those statues in the river um, I want to see Nelson's column in the Thames. <laughs> Just because it'd be fucking funny. I mean, that would be really funny. Um, speaking of funny, uh, did you see the news today? This is this is aging our podcast. Uh, we, we know exactly what day it is because not only is it the last day of EastEnders until they can film it again, but also, did you see the news about Shake Shack? No. So I woke I up. I happen to, to enjoy a Shake Shack. Is, oh, it, is this a milkshake duck? Like literal milkshake duck? It is not. Story, it, is, it is the milkshake. inversion. <laughs> it's the inversion of milkshake duck. Um, I okay. woke up this morning early because I always wake up early at the moment because I am stressed out of my mind and unable to keep a regular sleep pattern um, to find that the police in New York had claimed that a Brooklyn branch of Shake Shack had put bleach into the shakes or food of three policemen um immediately the right wingers were at it again and claiming shake shack's communist this is what happens if you say black lives matter you get these people doing this blah 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 i regret to inform you that the right wing leans are at it again yeah the the the, the right is getting better at comedy and the left's getting nervous, etc., etc. Um, and then basically two hours later, they had to say, we've done an investigation and we found no suggestions that the staff at Shakespeare <laughs> had deliberately poisoned these officers. So what's Didn't happened happen. possibly is that the police have done the same thing that they seem to do regularly, where they claim that they're being discriminated against and making something up, whether it's putting TH... It was putting THC in their food at 
what restaurant was it? Somewhere was putting THE in their food. Someone at McDonald's took a bite out of a cop's burger. Um, someone at Starbucks wrote pig on their mug instead of the cop's name. All of these things turned out oh, to be completely A senior cabinet minister called them plebs by a gate. Yeah, plebgate. Oh, I forgot entirely about plebgate. Remember that? I mean, yeah. I never I never liked Andrew Mitchell from a policy point of view, but he didn't do it. Yeah. It was made up. <laughs> it was entirely made up. Um, yeah, and it's just like, hmm, I wonder whether this really happened. Probably not. Do you reckon we'll ever find out? No, we won't. We'll try and cover it up. Which is um, what I always say about Winston Churchill and his bulldogs, right? You know, can we ever definitively say that he didn't fuck his bulldogs. Um, we, we can't, can we? You know, it's, we, we will never have proof that Winston Churchill did not fuck his bulldogs. It was very suspicious when he turned up one day wearing a T-shirt saying, I do not fuck bulldogs. I mean, that does make you ask the question, doesn't it? Is why did he have to defend it so vehemently? And um, that's not That doesn't come up in the Google search, does it? I think it's a conspiracy. That's a definite conspiracy. Um, I searched for Winston Churchill fuck bulldogs and it did not come up with the image that you historically accurately created. Ergo, Google's in on the conspiracy to cover up the fact that Winston Churchill fucked bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This is one of the more important things facing our time right now. Yeah. So when is his statue going to be in the river? That's all I want to know. I mean, surely the animal rights activists who are um, all over halal meat at the moment, all of those right wingers who are like halal meat is 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 the worst thing ever. Um, surely they're going to come after a man who potentially fucked his bulldogs. Yeah, and they should take Winston Churchill's statue down and replace it with one of a bulldog as a, as an act of symbolism. <laughs> I think they definitely should um, replace all of these statues with statues of dogs. Yeah, I would actually love that. That would be very good. See, if you could get every breed of dog out there. Yeah, yeah. And they'd like giant ones as well, not like to scale massive. Yeah, make them huge. Make Clifford the big red dog. (laughs) Yeah, like a a 40-foot dachshund. Yeah, that's what I want. I want a 40-foot dachshund. I want a 100-foot obelisk of a (laughs) a border terrier. Yeah. <laughs> looming looming over <laughs> looming over the world. That's what I want. Yeah, on top of Nelson's column, giant Schnauzer. Yeah. Schnauzer's yeah. column. Yeah, that's what we want. You absolute bastards. Give us what we want. Give us <laughs> giant dog statues. This is what the people want. Oh exactly. Exactly. I'm now gonna have to find the episode where I originated the idea that Churchill fucked his bulldogs and put it in the show notes, but I can't remember which episode it was. Well, that's we've been be, doing this for too long. That's going to be a fun journey for you. <laughs> it's a very good use of my time. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a family to take care of or anything. No, exactly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, right, we're running out of time. Yeah. So no, there's all the political stuff. This film is political in the best possible way, right? Which is that it tells a really wonderful brilliantly engaging love story and has real message but also has heart you know it makes you realize that politics isn't just a bunch of cold numbers or policies it is something that is about matters of the heart and the body and the mind and this film has all of that yes yeah exactly this is it's it 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 makes the politics personal which is exactly what politics is um and you know people 
people talk about rhetoric in politics a lot they talk about how oh how how well has this person performed in their speech or or how well have they performed in prime minister's questions or do you reckon they'll be able to handle the media well completely ignoring the fact that actually what what it comes down to is will their policies make people's lives worse or better will they be able to bring justice to a society that is incredibly you know wrong at, at yeah. its core um and and i think this film is a perfect example of of why it's important to challenge those powerful people challenge those powerful structures and ask those kind of questions about are are we all being treated fairly in society Mm-hmm. which you know is something that culture does have a duty to do right yeah yeah definitely you know you, you need to be you need to be asking those kind of questions don't you yeah and this film does it in a way that feels brilliantly timely for now it came out what last year didn't it but it feels brilliantly timely but while still being a story set in the early 70s that reminds us how little has changed since then well, yeah, exactly. which is depressing, but I do think um, it's an ultimately uplifting film. Yeah, um, I, I think so as well. I think I think it's it's got enough uplifting heart to it. It it kind of reminds me of. Did you see Black Klansman? No, I never did. I read the book though. The book was yeah, amazing. Yeah. I really recommend that book. Um, and and that's Quite another. Sure. You, you know, you could read it in an afternoon. And, and that's another film that that does exactly the same thing in terms of. Yes, it's set in a specific time period, but in reality, its message is for the modern day as well. And it makes it very, very clear that its message is for the modern day too. Yeah, for sure. But whilst also being a really elegantly told love story. Mm, mm. And it's it's quite slow as well. Just from a cinematography perspective, it's it's quite slow. And there are a lot of, most of the scenes are quite long. Which, you know, I think we're, we're so used to so many different plots and scenes all jumping around these days. These days, you know, I'm a thousand years old. But like... The, <laughs> back in my day. Back in my day, you'd have one long scene and that was it. You only had one camera. But, you know, the, the, the way that each the scenes play out and the length of them feels quite 70s in the way that it's shot as well. But that stylizes it perfectly. It was just really, really elegantly done. Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and it was and, slow in the in the best possible way. It was, and that something I really wanted to call out as well was the quality of the um, score by mm. um, Nicholas Brittle, who also did Moonlight um, and is doing the Underground Underground Railroad, which is oh um, nice. Have you read yeah. the book? I haven't. No, I don't read books. It's amazing. It's, it's as, as really we established. Incredible. I don't read books. Books are for nerds. Oh yeah, obviously. Sorry, I've just revealed <laughs> myself to be a nerd. You are such a nerd. I read a book once. Yeah, get out. Oh, I also said that I read the book of Black Klansman as well. Nerd, <laughs> you absolute nerd. Yeah, we um, <laughs> we're, we're a movie podcast. We don't care us. We don't care for for books. We are only yeah. This movies. isn't big books. Don't cry. Yeah, as big films make big boys cry. That's, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Um, and this film might make you shed a tear. Yeah, yeah. It didn't because for me because I'm a husk. Who does not? No, no, obviously not you. you know, I, ha- I have no emotions. I'm a big old robot. But it is is emotionally powerful, definitely. Yeah, for sure. But it's the it portrays intimacy very, very well, and both both um, you know, love between two people and the intimacy between romantic people engaged in romantic love, but also familial intimacy as well. 
and the, the the power of family with the you know with the dad the two dads like selling clothes on the black market to get the money together to pay the lawyer and the mum going to Puerto Rico to try to track down the woman who could testify and it not it all kind of falling through but the, the strength of that familial bond there was incredible to see as well yes yeah for sure it's um it, it's it's really strong when it comes to those <laughs> those emotional ties between characters um, and what it what all of that stuff did as well was to portray you know a family who is very very strong and that being a positive and that all of the elements of kind of of struggle in this film are there obviously there's this whole the whole film is about this struggle for them for for their love to not be broken by systemic racism in the police but you know it doesn't fall into the trap that so many films fall into of just kind of relentlessly pushing the negative aspect of that it actually shows people who are strong and vibrant and fun and who love passionately and all of that stuff just yeah it it comes across really really well and it's that cut above a lot of similar films i think for that reason yes yeah for sure for sure um so so, well done ian beale yeah well done ian beale we we have time for you i do Um, think barry jenkins actually sounds like a bit of a cockney name doesn't it yeah barry jenkins is barry jenkins he's he's, he's down the pub he's he's gonna be at the queen vic mates of phil mitchell yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Phil Mitchell um, are going into business together. Going to sell stereos. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because um, anyway, it's always 1991 in EastEnders. It is. It's always 91. It's, it's an ageless show. Um, and, uh, yeah, do you have anything else you'd like to share before we. Uh, uh... No, I, I think we've covered it, haven't we? It's, it's a great film that is absolutely 100% worth your time and very timely. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Yes, yeah. Um, really, really recommend that you you watch this. It's um, a really powerful piece of cinema, um, well deserving of the the praise that it's had already. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's great. Yeah. Um, very very good. So, how are we going to rank this? Um, let's see. Well, if Beale Street could talk, how many words would it say? To you. Ah, that is that is very good. I'm going to give it an 18 um, out yeah, of 20. I'd, I'll go. I'll go for the same. Yeah, why not? It's very very good. It's up there. I'd watch yeah. it again happily. Not right now because like obviously you you would need to give some time because it's one that you need to kind of think about for a while. It, I feel like it's going to stay with me for a while, but I I would be open to watching it again in the future. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I'm I'm keen to watch it again at some point as well. Yeah. So good choice. Thank you. Oh, that's all right. So what have we got next? Well, um, earlier you talked about Black Klansman, which is by Spike Lee, and I've been recently thinking that probably we we should continue looking at black cinema, but I, um, I realised that I hadn't actually seen that much of Spike Lee's work, so we're going to be watching Do the Right Thing, which is something oh, I wanted, to, very wanted good. to check out for a while. I think I saw that that was on some kind of streaming service added recently. Oh, really? I think, possibly. Very good. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Um, I'm very keen to watch that. Brilliant. My, uh, my neighbour's dog's trying to contribute. Can you hear him? I can. I can. He's trying to. He's trying to say yes. Please replace all the statues with dog statues. I yeah, will, I will be one. <laughs> Is he deserving? I'm going to go and take him and cast him in iron to stop him from barking during the podcast every <laughs> fucking week. 
Oh dear. I'm going to encase him in carbonite like Han Solo. Oh, do it, do it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> well, this is this is good. This is a good good chat. So, you know, thanks again for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Do watch this film and keep it political. Don't be afraid to have opinions. Don't be afraid to you know be on the right side of stuff. And don't be afraid to be wrong either. You know. You don't get everything right when you're trying to be political, but what you're trying to do is to do the right thing, which again is, I think, why I wanted to watch do the right thing, because I've been thinking about trying to do the right thing. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, Cool, okay. Yeah, so you can find us on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod, on the emails at BigBoysDon'tGrowPodcast at gmail.com. You may also have noticed a little message at the beginning of this podcast, pre-recorded by Acast, who host our podcast. So thanks a lot to them. Big shout out to them. Um, giving you, Telling you to look for a link in our show notes where you can give us money. Um, no obligation, obviously, but if you like what we do, um, we have done this for over 150 episodes without adverts. So, you know, if you feel like giving back and paying us for our time, anything that you think it's worth, um, no recurring thing or anything. It's just kind of always going to be there. So... You can you can buy us a coffee or help us with the inevitable lawsuit from the estate of Winston Churchill that's going to happen. So you know, um, drop us some coin. No, we didn't say that he did that. Just that he didn't say that he didn't. Yeah, exactly. That's not the same thing, is it? Um, but yeah, no no obligation. Obviously, we do it for the love. But um, yeah, if if you feel like giving us some a little bit of money, then obviously we will love you forever. Yes, we will. That's a guarantee. Big boys guarantee. <laughs> Big boys guarantee. Um, <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week to talk about do the right thing. Alrighty. Bye bye. Alrighty. Bye.